Hi everyone, welcome to Queer Sounds, a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. My name is Hannah, pronouns they, them, and thanks again for tuning in. If you listen to this, it's March 1st. Um, dating the episode because I want to personally thank everyone who came on to the uh, special birthday event that happened last Friday. Um, you know, the podcast turning two years old, me turning wonderful age of 27 um and yeah thanks everyone who joined us in the discord but without further ado i want to welcome maya to the show hi there hi i'm maya i pronounce she her and i'm the founder and companion of question front appreciate you uh, inviting me yeah thank you for coming on um diving right in on all of the stuff that you do uh like you mentioned quiz to the front so, um, what, what, what is that exactly? What do people really need to know, like, in this quick first three minutes? Oh, yeah. So, uh, we're an artist management and PR company uh, operating all over North America and the UK and Europe. And uh, we work with marginalized artists, and our goal is to uh, be there um, to create radical change within the music industry because we don't like what it is like right now yeah that makes absolute sense um there is a whole lot that needs to needs to change uh i suppose um so what made you what made you start with this uh like in in, in general what what drew sure. you across the line is like okay i'm really actually gonna do stuff yeah so uh basically i uh you know i used to play in bands myself and like tour a bunch and stuff um and uh, back in the day i did that whilst essentially being perceived as a white man um in uh you know the band i played in and stuff like that and i would always like be on tour with just other men around me and stuff like that um but eventually uh you know the time came for the egg to crack um and uh, i i came out as a trans person um and uh let me put it like that the reactions were not exactly warm and, and positive uh um, so I left the band and I kind of left that whole sort of scene that I was in, uh, and I was really frustrated and out of that frustration, I wanted to, uh, harness my energy and my anger into something that would, um, provide a service to young other trans people and other marginalized people kind of coming after me. And I wanted to make sure that they have a, uh, better experience in the music industry than I than I did, uh, and so I just figured that like, I, I mean I've always known like I never really considered myself to be a musician. Um, I was always most interested in kind of like the behind the scenes sort of stuff and like the uh, the logistics and stuff like that. And I always kind of booked tours. Yeah, I never really thought about it. It just came to me naturally, and so I was like, guess I'll uh, I'll start a booking agency for marginalized artists, and I did. And then eventually it like with the pandemic it changed it to an artist management company but like still kind of the same motivation behind it so why uh specifically like the backside of why don't you consider yourself a musician like the, because that implies that you actually need to know what you're doing whereas you could just pick just pick up a guitar and know don't know what you're doing still call yourself a musician right you, you are absolutely right but um and i mean you know I'll, I'll say that i am proud of a couple of songs that i wrote in my life but um like, I don't know, I always felt like there's people doing it much better than me and, like, I never really particularly felt like my voice or, like, my guitar playing was specifically um, 
really adding something to a conversation in a way. And it never really felt like that had much of an impact. But I also felt that it maybe didn't need to. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, and uh, I wanted, like, I've always done music with a very, like, political approach to it as well. Like, not just wanting to, like, get drunk and play the guitar, but I always wanted, like, something more out of it. I wanted to, like, build community, um, you know, create solidary movements and, and all of that stuff. Um and so I felt like in order to kind of like reach um, the most people and, and create the most change that I can, I realized that that position is not behind a guitar. Um, and I realized that I can do so much more when I'm on the business side because that's just where my talents are and they're just not behind a guitar. And there's many people that do that better than me and like they like, I, you know, I'm fine to let them have that space. Um that being said, there's also like a bunch more personal kind of stuff behind it where like being behind a guitar is sort of very connected to like gender dysphoria and stuff like that. But first and foremost, it was really about the thing where I felt like, how can I best sort of serve a community? And I realized that that's just not behind an instrument. All right. Um, let's continue this conversation at the other end of the first sure. track for today.
like it Run around in circles if you wanna build a life But I don't wanna make a plan for a day far away While I'm young and while I'm able All I wanna do is Oh boy, I'm 15 again <laughs> I love I loved seeing you have a little dance to it Very cute <laughs> That's what you do, right? Just kind of give in to all of the music and do whatever. Really got to feel it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, Green Day, that's such a nostalgia bomb for me. It's, mm -hmm. uh, um, I remember being, you know, you, we were talking about not being too great at playing musical instruments, but, you know, here I was, 15-year-old, got my first little bass guitar, um, I mean, it wasn't necessarily this track, but definitely the entire International Super Hits compilation album that just kind of did it for me. But enough about me. Why did you pick Green Day with Jason Andrew Ralva? Yeah, Green Day is uh, quite literally the band that got me into uh, rock music and music in general, I guess, in, in the first place. Um, like my earliest memory is being on a family holiday in, in, in the UK, being maybe... 14 years old or something like that and like full on in like testosterone puberty absolutely not knowing what to do with my body not feeling right in my body either way hating everything and everybody <laughs> and wanting to be anywhere but like going to that museum somewhere in the uk uh so um and i think the day before or like basically this like family friend in the uk had like for some reason given me this mixtape cd which just said Green Day Dookie. I didn't know what Dookie meant, but it sounded really filthy. Uh, so I was like, this sounds sick. Um, and so me being the little puberty rebel, I refused to like go into the museum or whatever and like stayed in, stayed in the car. Uh, and so I like put the CD in, like pulled it, like turned, turned the volume up and uh, first time I ever heard Green Day and it blew, the, blew me away. Um, and then I, I mean, I didn't completely understand English at the time, but I understood most of it. And I realized that it was like really, 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 uh, kind of like against mainstream culture. There was a lot of like swear words in it and stuff. And it was just everything I never knew I needed. Um, and from that day, I've just never stopped listening to, to Green Day. And, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like, um, they really like listening to Green Day songs and like, sort of like proudly becoming more and more part of like subculture i mean i could have chosen minority as well like the song minority because like but i could i could have chosen a lot of green day songs you know what i mean but like and because a lot of them like capture that feeling of the time but um yeah like there's this line in in green day's minority of the album warning uh like the, the chorus goes something along the lines of like um i want to be the minority um, I don't need your majority. I don't need your authority, or something like that. But it's like about like being proud to like be against the mainstream and proud of proud of like to be in the counterculture. And, like that is exactly what I needed. And honestly, the more the more extreme the language and the more extreme the music and the more extreme the swear words, the more I would be drawn towards it. Because from like a very early age, on I kind of realized that sort of mainstream culture and like mainstream society is just very wrong and very violent. But in, you know, inherently, if, if I'm um, going to talk about Green Day in particular, like I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest and, and and assume that Green Day wasn't actually the first ever band you listened to. Like there must have been music in your life before you were 14. Uh yeah, not so much actually. I mean, yes, yes, there was, but like none of it really appealed to me. Like my 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 whole family is extremely musical and like like really like good musicians. Um. My parents are really, really, really into classical music, which uh, 
I don't know, I never really bothered with so much. Like, I appreciate the musicianship, I appreciate the composition, but it's never something that really, that I that I would, like, listen to that I dig, you know? Um, the the only the only music I ever maybe bonded with, like, my parents about is uh, Tracy Chapman. Um, and my, my parents have this, like, original Tracy Chapman, um, uh, like, having that, like, they have that first original record on, like, vinyl from, like, 1980-something or whatever. And, like, listening to that on vinyl is, like, the the only thing in music that I ever bonded with my parents with about, like, music. But, uh, So, from yeah, when you were introduced into the world of alternative music, was there, um, did that kind of make you feel like the alternative was the default because that was the music you felt um, closest to? No, I mean, like, to, to be fair, I definitely, like, I don't know, heard some, like, chart songs on the radio or whatever, but, like, I, I, I don't know, I never connected with any of the music I really heard before, except the Tracy Chapman record, but, uh, um, no, it didn't make, it, like, it didn't feel like the default, it, it, it felt like exactly the opposite of it, and that is what drew me to it. Again, the more extreme the music, the better it is, and, like, Green Day was just, like, the gateway drug, essentially, and, like, uh, it, it didn't take long until first the first metal band I ever listened to was uh, Bullet for My Valentine. <laughs> it's a song called uh, Tears Don't Fall, um, which is like horrible, like misogynist lyrics and all of that. I still think it's like a great song. <laughs> People are going to hate me for that. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, Bullet for My Valentine, Tears Don't Fall is the ever metal, first ever metal song I listened to. And again, the more extreme the music, the more loud, the more rowdy the more i'd be drawn towards it right so from there you were introduced to green day you 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 fell in love with the music and Mm -hmm. were did you start the green day cover band yourself or was that just something that friends got together and and just kind of happened no like uh like i i quickly sort of realized that um uh, you know, because of it, I feel like around Green Day, there was always a lot of, like, conversation about, like, you can actually do this too. We're really shit at our instruments too. You can start the band too. Like, I remember, I think it was watching the whole documentary about that show they played in, in Reading in the UK, like, the biggest ever show they did, like, Bullet in the Bible, that whole DVD thing. I think there was, like, a lot of interviews around it where, where like, a lot of fans were interviewed as well. And, like, a lot of people said, like, yeah, you can do this too. I started a band as well. Like, something along those lines so at least like i got the vibe from them like i can do this too and uh, so my mom actually bought me this guitar that like billy Armstrong, the lead singer plays as well and uh i was like all right i'm, I'm gonna start a band as well when i was like 15 and uh yeah i started to uh started a green day cover band with a bunch of uh people people from school uh who also were kind of like outsider kids and we just started to be a cover band yeah so you actively set out to be a green day cover band specifically 100%, yes why why didn't it was you... like it was my biggest dream to be like the lead singer from green from green day all right but you know um it, you... like i idolized them a lot so i wanted right. to be like them oh well that's interesting because you know i feel like you could really enjoy music but you know if i'm going to draw parallels to the way i was introduced to like the the alternative music type of stuff and you know playing in bands like i also used to play in a band that you mostly played covers but you know, um, we played Green Day, Rise Against, and oh yeah, you know, we played uh, Rise Against as well, yeah. and like Billy Talent as well. Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly those three. Um, and what else have you? I don't even know. Um, doesn't really matter anyway. But you, um, it's just you really felt. I, I felt like all of those bands were, you know, interchangeable in a way. Like you know, the songs 
no matter what well, it doesn't matter how good the artists themselves are matter like the song matters more than the artist no not not for me like um i i really don't think that any of these artists like that i that like got me into music are interchangeable by any means i mean the fact that green day has been a band for what like 30 plus years and the fact that they're still going strong i feel like that says so much about their culture like relevance and like so much about their music and still staying relevant like to me that is like anything but interchangeable do you know what I mean? yeah that's 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 true but you know i feel like how relevant are okay well here's the question how relevant do you think green day still is uh super super relevant i mean like look at uh like just the fact that i that i grew up in germany and like anything anybody at 15 years old wanted to cover and like play on the stereo at a show was always Green Day's American Idiot. Like, kids around the world to this day still cover Green Day, like, uh, you know, like, get introduced to heavier music through Green Day. I mean, I'm not going to lie, there's obviously, like, a few new artists at this point and, like, things are changing, but especially the fact that... Especially, like, given the fact that there's, like, Bring Me the Horizon now, who've kind of taken that role. Uh, Youngblood is sort of getting there as well uh, with the TikTok generation quote unquote off. um but still green day is still around and there's still so many kids around the world who get introduced to like heavier music through them and uh you know the fact that they still sell out arenas and the fact that they still sell like millions of records like you know that is relevance there there i still think that we're, we're really diving into this now and i'm loving it oh um, uh, we do <laughs> um, I, st I, I still feel like you know that's doesn't that isn't necessarily green day in specifically like they released some evergreen songs that are still opening the world to alternative music for kids but if you um mention like the the album trilogy that completely flopped like sure mm -hmm. that, no that what didn't that didn't really have any cultural relevance or uh positive impact in a way that kids are still being introduced to alternative music by those albums the way they are through american idiot Aduki. Yeah, but, well, but, like, being in a band over 30 years, not every record can be a world hit. Like, that is that is a really high bar to set, to be, like, every album needs to be as good as American Idiot. Like, you write an album like American Idiot once in your life. And actually, Green, they have done it multiple times. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they, wrote, they wrote Dookie, and it absolutely went viral in, like, today's terms. Um, they did American Idiot. They did it again with 21st Century Breakdown. Like, a lot of these songs have so much relevance... Um, and I feel like staying consistent and yes, staying consistent can also mean that every now and then there's a thing that flops. It's just completely normal. And also there was so much going on, um, you know, with uh, the drug rehab that the Green Air Front person did whilst doing the trilogy, all of that. Like there was a bunch of issues why they didn't. And um, the fact that the that they made uh, the life guitarist their fourth member who then ended up uh, having cancer and then like had to like leave again and. There was a whole thing that, like, the bassist's wife had cancer as well. There was a whole bunch of things going on why they didn't go very well. And that's fine, you know. Um, and, you know, they still came back and they still did, like, Revolution Radio afterwards. Is that what the record is called? I haven't... Yeah. Um, and uh, they're still coming back. They're still going strong. The fact that they're still, like, three people together uh, is still going strong after, like, 30 years. That in itself says so much about what is what this band is and what it is about and the fact that they still give back to a community the fact that they still care um ab ab about like where they come from like 
I mean, this sounds like such a cliche thing, but I think they really have not forgotten their roots, and I love that about them. No, well, I don't mean to say that they should um, have a hit album every time they release one. But That's just not how a band works. Exactly, no, but also, like, I don't feel like we should we should be able to see those things separately from each from separate from each other like um if we're if we're talking about the green day album dookie compared to um what's what's their recent one even called the one that no one even talks about anymore because, yeah, so, yeah. I, 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 yeah i think i haven't even listened to it to be honest um but you know it's I feel like we've been saying the same thing in the sense that we shouldn't expect bands to like pump out hits every time they release something, mm -hmm. but also we should be free to see the everlasting, like to, to separate the everlasting impact of a song separate from you know the everlasting impact of an artist. I feel like I don't know. I don't really know how to word this, how to phrase this. I mean, you're good. We also don't have to agree on this. Do you know what I mean? Like I. To me, and that is also just me being like a consumer that of music that is probably not like your average consumer by any means, you know. Um, and uh, but to me, I will only really be into a song or a rec like whatever I do. I always do research about the artist behind it. You know, like the way I listen to music. I'm, um, and just to say this, like. There, like there's two very different personas about me and the way I consume music and like what I think about music and streaming and all of that. There's my private persona, which is like super, super, super against the internet, and like super against a lot of these things. But there's also like my work persona, um, you know, being an artist manager, obviously like I work with Spotify and like I work with TikTok and all of that and I see its merits and stuff like that. But whenever I engage with it, it is like within my work time. Do you know what I mean? Um, But privately, I'm so against Spotify. Like, I don't use Spotify at all privately. I only use it, like, when I need to use it, like, when I work with a band, right? Um, but um, I don't do Spotify. Like, the way I consume music is quite literally... I'll usually uh, be introduced to the artist over Twitter, um, maybe TikTok, um, Or, like, I often do, like, playlists for my company where, like, ask for submissions from, like, marginalized artists and then listen to that. But usually I'll, I'll, I'll see the artists on, like, Twitter and then I'll go to their Bandcamp page and then I'll, like, buy the... And if I, like, if I really like it, I'll buy the record of Bandcamp. Then I'll, like, f like physically put it into, like, my music player and then I'll, like, with a USB cable, I, like, physically put it on my phone and then I'll listen to it on a walk. Like that kind of that kind of super old person that I am. That's dedication. Um, you got to admire that. Yeah, and like I I don't do playlists. For example, I hate playlists. Like when I listen to something, I listen to a full record because I appreciate records as a concept so much. And like I will only buy something off Bandcamp like when I know something about the artist. And like I need to fully like mostly fully appreciate kind of like the behind story. If I if I went with you through like my like library of music on my computer right now, I could tell you like at least fifteen facts or like big stories about every single artist and every single song I have in there because they all mean something to me, and like that is why as a private person I am so against the commodification of music at the streaming age. Um, but as an artist manager, I see the pros and the cons, and like you know. Um, so I'm 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 like very uh, specific in the way that I consume music. 
Right, speaking of consuming <laughs> music, I think it's time we pop on track number two. Sorry, but uh, I feel like I'm going on a tangent. <laughs> uh, a little bit, maybe, but I don't mind. You know, that's, 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 Sick, yeah. that's, that's, that's what the that's internet's what for, right? Hey. Yeah. Okay. That's over before you know it. Very short song. Very good song, though. It is. It is. I mean, if you can tell them, if you could share your message within like less than two minutes, that's impressive. Like we don't waste any time here. Mm-hmm. So that was "Grind Mother" by Pity Party. So th- that's one of the bands you manage right or at least you booked a tour for them no i don't manage them but i have worked with them multiple times on european tours yes all right and it's listed as your queer artist spotlight why did you particularly chose this one um because uh sarah is just one of my sarah who's the, the lead singer in, in pity party uh she's just one of my favorite people in the entire universe and uh, i miss her a lot i was supposed to see her twice last year and i didn't get to for the obvious reasons she uh she she lives in oakland california which is like quite literally the other side of the world from where i am which is austria uh but um yeah she's she's great and uh, she has taught me so much about community organization and community building and also the importance of self-care um and community care uh, and I feel like, yeah, I feel like I, I just learned a lot from her and I look up to her a lot. Um, she also just so happens to be a very, very talented musician who writes very badass songs and plays in one of the hardest touring bands in uh, America. So uh, Why then specifically the song Grindmother? Oh, because I, 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 I just like the line in the chorus. Uh, we are greater than the sum of all our separate parts. That's what the, like the main line in the chorus goes. Very, very beautiful message. Uh, that that adds up with both like 
personal expectations and how you can do a lot? Did it also like the sense of community? Yeah, it's about community organization. That's what it is to me at least. Um, so my favorite song, and I also think it's just like a great song, like just musically speaking or like composition wise. So yeah. A question we always like to ask here is how do you experience gender? Ooh, <laughs> going full on here. Sick. I appreciate that though. Uh, well, how do I experience gender? First and foremost, uh, gender is a performance. Um, I also don't think anybody's like inherently born with a gender as a concept in the first place. I think that, again, yeah, gender is a performance that um, is being maintained and reproduced through gendered actions every single day, every single second, mostly subconsciously, I think. Um, and... Uh, and I also think gender is yours to make of it what you want. And uh, gender is over if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you specifically, though? Because uh, in these past few statements, you've been talking very broadly. I mean, I mean, usually, usually if somebody asks me this, I would just like reply with like that meme of like, I don't I don't have a gender. I just feel like shit. <laughs> but um, no, jokes aside. Uh, yeah, um, gender is a complicated one. Um, I feel like, unfortunately, I was socialized with a lot of, like, toxic masculinity, gender kind of stuff. Or in other words, I feel like very rarely have I ever learned about, like, kind of like a, uh, I would say maybe like a wholesome type of masculinity. A masculinity that can be, like, caring and uh, soft and colorful and, uh, yeah, uh, a masculinity that can uh, appreciate accountability and uh, reflection so is there communication so for example when we were uh talking in the beginning of this episode you said that you know we you were met with a lot of negative responses Mm -hmm. in in like the music industry um was that based on transphobia or or toxic masculinity oh that's that's an interesting question i'll say i'll say both but i feel like a lot of people are not necessarily um the, the thing with like a lot of like transphobia racism etc i feel like it's not necessarily about people being uh you know evil people wanting to go out and like like hurt somebody with their words or something like that i mean yes there's a bunch of people like that like you know there's like the whole like uk being the whole turf island like i'm fully aware there's like a bunch of people who specifically go out to like hurt trans people and stuff but um a lot of a lot of the reactions that I got was usually very very well-meaning people that were just very uneducated about a topic. But the most the biggest problem was that most of them were also completely not willing to learn anything about it or like just Google a thing first or something like that. Um, and they always sort of expected me to do that work for them, um, which kind of made it so problematic. And as soon like, I'll say this like the, the like. The, the beginning of, of, like, conversations that went wrong was usually just, like, well-meaning people not educated on the topic, and that's fine. But the problems really started... Like, everybody everybody was just, like, a little uneducated, but generally well-meaning. Sorry, I keep repeating myself. Um, but also, like, generally, like, tolerant. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd be around, like, punks or whatever, self-identifying punks and, like, I don't know, anarchists, whatever. Um... And they'd be like, yeah, because, like, I'll, I'll tolerate you. But, like, the point where the problems really started was when I wanted more than just be tolerated. 
you can tell by the way somebody like looks up and down on you when you're a trans person and the way how they use your pronouns, but you can immediately tell that they don't actually see you that way. Yeah, the and persistent they only do nuances because, between like, tolerance and acceptance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, um, but inclusivity and like actually like appreciating you for that, who you are and like how you show and express yourself to the world. That appreciation was just not a given at all. Like as soon as I really had sort of political ideas and opinions from like being a trans person as soon as I wanted more than just to be tolerated as soon as I like opened my mouth to like say something um that is when like the tolerance stopped very very quickly um yeah so um if we're gonna talk about you know music in a parallel to your your trans identity like what's What's the story there? Was there, um, for example, music that would make you experience gender differently? A hundred percent, yes. And that is what, like, I guess uh, the next song I, uh, I, 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 I emailed you um, would be would be very good for. Um, so uh, there is this uh, band called Kermit, uh from the UK. Some of my favorite people. They're from Leicester, UK, uh, and um, Kerm Kermit's actually the first band that I booked a tour for through Quizfront in July 2018, I believe, um, and they're this all-queer band uh, fronted by this trans woman called Emily, who's, who's one of my best friends, and um, I feel like the way that they write music and the way that they like express themselves on a stage and in like a press photo was something that I'd just never seen before. Um, and, and it blew me away and it was like it really opened my eyes that there is and there can be a space for trans people in punk rock I guess and emo and whatever um, and um, when I booked the tour for Kermis I also ended up going out on that tour with them like in the van and uh, at that time two trans women played in Kermis and so can you imagine like being together as like a team of like three trans women walking in a venue like being what up <laughs> like it normalized the whole thing so much that when i got home after that tour i wondered why not everybody around me is a trans person do you know what i mean so like and it completely blew my mind and like you know kirby's have pretty much a whole like record about being a trans person and like that experience and like I'll like I'll 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 say that in the same sense as well that like Lord Jane Grace and her coming out with against me definitely did something kind of like uh, similar to me except that like you know I've not I've not met Laura in like person or anything and with Kermis it was like direct friendship and like direct support um, but yeah like Laura Jane Grace seeing her on a stage and stuff like that um, it just showed me the things that are possible and it just made me want. To have so much more space for trans people writing music and writing records about their experiences as trans people, um, yeah, like those two completely changed my mind and like changed my perspective on on a lot of things there. So it's not necessarily, for example, that you know, um, I don't know, that, it it it's not like punk rock will make you feel more masculine and pop will make you feel more feminine. If that's like something that we're gonna you know, if, if we're going to think in like really strict boundaries, which is why am I even doing that? It's hard to unlearn. I know, but still. It's funny though, because if you said that, like I would maybe potentially agree. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> That's maybe the little binary in me. <laughs> um, 
No, there's definitely a thing about it that I still haven't figured out for sure. Like how, um, like, and it, it definitely has something to do with like gender binary boundaries and stuff, uh, like some societal issues. But yeah, for some reason, I still, there's still like a whole problem when I, uh, I, I still have moments when I, when like listening to like post hardcore or like whatever that kind of music that is like often very, very male kind of dominated. When, when I listen to that music, like, I'll still have sort of days where I don't want to listen to it because it, like, makes me feel sort of super masculine uh, in a way, but mostly also because it's, like, connected with a lot of bad memories because I used to, like, be kind of like the post-hardcore scene, like, playing in, a ba- in bands and stuff back then, so that's more like that. Um, but, yeah, like, it is, it is probably because, like, punk rock as it is was great for growing up, but as soon as I wanted more from it as a trans person... Um, that is when kind of like all of that changed. And, uh, so it is mostly because, uh, unfortunately, like a lot of punk rock is just sort of connected with like really, really bad memories of like, you know, being excluded because of being a trans person. Do you know what I mean? Whilst sort of like, uh, whilst it just happened to be that most of the people that would like support me much more, um, you know, would usually be women and other queer people and like, it just happened to be that most of them would play more kind of like uh more poppy softer quote unquote of music um and it just happened to be that uh that i just felt more drawn towards that because you know you know i would make friends with people who'd be like really supportive of me as a trans person and stuff and they would just happen to sort of play like more poppy music like not just not necessarily like post-hardcore whatever um and uh, and then you know as a way to stay connected to them i would like listen to their songs when i go for a walk or whatever and i feel like that is just how how that sort of shifted because as i told you like the way i could see music i i shift towards people that support me and people whose message i support and it just happened to be that a lot of the people that supported me were just not from the scene that i that i came from but that that's completely accidental. So yeah, sometimes things just go some ways, right? It's, that's mm. that's the way the cookie crumbles. Um, so are you more of a melody or a lyric type of person? Because from what I've Ooh. if we've got like a real like we've obviously we haven't known each other for that long, and I've got the feeling like you are you feel comfortable in like the the uh, the the punk corner of things but you'll feel more comfortable if the lyrics will also align with your with with your personal experience yeah not necessarily just the lyrics but like the person who wrote the song and what i know about the person writing the song but i can also appreciate a good melody do you know what i mean like i really really just like a good song but you're probably right that like if i wanted to sort of create a binary of that and be like, what do I like more? Then probably I'll go for the lyrics first. Or in other words, in other words, in other words, I can listen. I I can I can I will for I will listen to a really bad song, as bad as it just like really like not well written or whatever that means. Like a really a really shitty like lo-fi DIY punk record, but I still can appreciate the hell out of it if it's like cool people and like cool message or whatever. But if there's a song with, like, really, like, misogynist lyrics or something like that, it must be, like, the best nostalgia song in my life for me to ever listen to that again. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you you even named an example earlier in the episode, right? 
taste on full. I'll listen to that later. Like sometimes I'll still listen to the other song and be like, ah, oh, being young again. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, like, there's a bunch of really misogynist shit in, like, Greedo's discography as well, I'm not going to lie, you know? Yeah, even though, you know, for they, they have been pretty consistent when, when it comes to, like, their, their opening acts, like, um, mm-hmm. making, That's true. yeah, like, for you mentioned Against Me, like, they mm-hmm. opened for them, right? They opened for Greedo, yeah. No, they're, like, I think they're good people, do you know what I mean? And, like, I still think they carry, like, good values and, um, but, uh, Nah, I'll, I'll actually not go there. I'll actually not go there. Because, like, misogynist lyrics are always bad. You know, so, yeah. As I, I feel like, I, I don't know, how, what's, their, what's their current stance on their, on their previously uh, released misogynistic material? Because, you know, for example, if we're going to talk about Paramore, who's like, okay, I was an ignorant child when I wrote this or that song, I'm not going to play it anymore. Mm-hmm. I feel like Green Day might as well have done the same, but it would have gotten... It would have flown on the radar because you know they're men, so they don't get hi- their 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 mistakes don't get highlighted as much, and mm-hmm. um, they could just leave every uh, misogynistic lyrics off of the set list, and no one would, would 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 even notice. That is true. Yeah, yeah. It is it is a very good point that like people like Hayley Williams will absolutely be picked the fuck apart. You know, all the respect to her that she's still going after so many years of abuse, pretty much. But, uh, but yeah, like, you know, Green Day can pretty much do whatever the fuck they want uh, because they're men. Yeah, like, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. You brought it on point. If we only argue on their terms, then we'll never ever win. Our worthiness is based on that concept of sin. Our cannot be measured like it's some capitalist thing. If we let them set the terms, then they'll win. by Kermis um, um, definitely the youngest song I've ever had on here considering it's released 2021 um, so yeah this uh, the band you mentioned it before um, on your website you mentioned this as your favorite band of all time <laughs> I did yeah I mean it's, it's always it's always hard to uh, to be like the most favorite of all time but I really like, uh, you know, when we did the provision for a podcast and stuff, I really like sat down for like half hours, like, because <sighs> I like, I really care about this. Do you know what I mean? Like, I really care about like spotlighting artists and I wanted to like use the platform of the podcast invite and all of that. But yeah, I um, I ended up sort of, um, I, I thought about the effect that the 
artist with like their overall like discography and like what they do as like private people like band people what they do politically what they stand for i really like measured kind of like all of those things and like compare them to each other and like uh, i i could have i could have definitely put against me in there a hundred percent because you know lord jane grace you know brought a lot of things into my life i think um but then again i've never really met her in person or anything like that so i was like i, I want this to be people that like i'm actually friends with um and uh, then I want this to be a band where actually like really really like am excited for not just the lyrics but like also the music and again I do appreciate a really good composition like I'm into that you know I love I, I love like I, I could I could do an entire podcast with you just talking about like music and composition 100% I could do that um but yeah like Kermis have like this rare intersection where I am 110% stoked about every single one of their songs and also about every single one of their lyrics. Uh, I love the people behind it, which uh, currently is Emily and Elle. Um, and uh, I love the politics that they have. Um, I love them as people. They have brought a, a whole bunch of very positive things to my life and helped me with a bunch of things. And I got to help them with a bunch of things, I hope. And uh, it's just this whole kind of connection there. And... Um, Therefore, therefore, yeah, I could probably say that like they're at least one of the most favorite bands like in my entire life. And I said it before, but like that tour that I like sat in the van with them, I legit like changed my life. And like, um, like the week afterwards, I started Hormones. You know, it was like a, a it was a fundamental thing that tour for me, and it came exactly at the moment where I needed nothing more than that. Um, so yeah. Kermis, baby. What's the difference for you between like watching a band from like a business perspective versus? Ooh, a, I love that question. A, like just as a visitor. You're like you ask such good questions. I'm really enjoying this. Yeah. Um. So as a private person, um, I'll, uh, as a, as a private person, I, I like want it to be like a really good experience. I want to feel like comfortable. I want to feel like safe in in like the room. Um. I I want to enjoy the lyrics um i'll as a private person as a private person i probably tend to go for more niche kind of music because the big the, the big difference probably is when i watch a band from a business perspective i think about do they fit in the market that i know exists in like certain areas of the world um like us uk europe etc um, and I know how the markets work in each of these places, and I know that a band that works in Europe doesn't necessarily work in the US or vice versa. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I'll look at them, like, how marketable are they? And uh, I'll look at them and I go, like, how far are they in kind of like their musicianship, if that makes sense, which is completely subjective to, like, my taste and upbringing and stuff as well, in, or like, you know, growing up into music and stuff. But still, I'll look at, like, uh, I'll look at like do they fit into the roster both musically and like the the representation in the band I look at that um, you know and uh, like I really really want the Quiz Front roster to be as diverse as it possibly can um, and so obviously I'll be more excited about a band that is like all queer and has like you know non-white members etc versus a band where there's maybe like one straight woman singing and like a bunch of guys playing guitars 
Do you know what I'm saying? If we're you say as a private person, you would go to more niche things, but you know, from a yes. business perspective, you your the way you select your bands, like non-white, queer, that's already pretty niche. Uh, yeah, but like, um, I think what I mean, uh, yeah, no, but like, it is, but it works within the niche that I created for this business, right? So my business in itself, my company in itself, is not exactly a mainstream type of thing. Um, but uh, the private person, me, I love power violence. Like, it's one of my favorite music genres. I fucking love it. Um, and like, you know, one of my favorite things in my life is just to be like in some really filthy squat and watch some really, really, really obscure all male Russian power violence band on a Sunday on a Sunday afternoon at a matinee show with some cake. Like that is my favorite thing. Like I'll I'll be in the back at the death metal show and I'll fucking love it. But like I would not do that as a business person, you know, and like as a private person I love watching bands who like don't necessarily fit into my roster because I still can appreciate really good music. Do you know what I'm saying? Um and like the business that I created has very, very strict boundaries and it should have and it will have forever and like I stick by it, but um, you know, that is why as a private person, I guess I'm much more, yeah, there's just much more to like uh, other music to, to begin with, you know, cause it, it, it is not constricted to those boundaries of like the band needs to be marginalized, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, from what you've been telling me about the different shows that you watched and joy, um, it's mostly based on like the music and the person behind it, like whether or not they're mm -hmm. a good person and they deserve to yeah. have that slot of you know, having yeah. a best show. So what, what about like, um, the, the, the show aspect side of it, you know, uh, the big extra, uh, um, effects, visual effects, pyro, uh, mm -hmm. the visual. Oh, I love that. I love, I love, I love, like, just don't do stroboscope. I hate that. And everybody should hate that. Cause like, what, what is an, uh, like epileptic person supposed to do? Do you know what I mean? Um, but, uh, uh, you know, it was inevitable that I was going to speak about my fandom for Bring Me the Horizon, I guess, but um, fuck, they put on a show, like, seriously. Um, I love everything about, like, like, what they do nowadays. Like, yes, I'm fully aware that there's a bunch of very, very, very questionable things they've done in their past. I also think they've grown from a lot of things, um, and I think it shows in the way, like, how in their latest record they... Uh, continuously chose to work with other marginalized people featuring on their record and stuff like that um and the and like the way their lyrics changed and all of that but um but yeah like bring me um the, like the best show i unfortunately only have seen like on a dvd is the uh, royal albert hall set that they did um with the orchestra the, the parallax orchestra is like the best thing I've ever seen, like musically and composition wise and venue wise and just like the whole show, the pyro, um, the lights, uh, the composition of the orchestra, everything about it was just insanely like good. Uh, and like, yeah, so um, I, I appreciate the shit out of a really good production. I love that. I love to see it. But, you know, yeah, down the 100%. line, you still prioritize, you know, the person behind the band more, uh, like you prioritize that over like production value. And like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yes. Like, you know, um, again, I'm fully aware of like very questionable things in Bring Me's past, but I also think that they do really good things nowadays. Um, and so that is what sort of drew me back to them as well. 
but also because I just generally appreciate how they really broke with the whole like metalcore warp tool dickhead kind of scene um and really were like yeah we don't want anything to do with that anymore like we want to do more than that and like the way that they broke free from a lot of these like genre alternative music kind of boundaries but also in my mind how they broke with a lot of like toxic masculinity kind of like a lot of like metalcore music and a lot of like how the scene around that works like the whole warp tour and stuff is like inherently so connected with toxic masculinity and i think yeah and i think like bring me broke with a lot of that and i really enjoy that you know you know the, the fact the fact that they played a set together with an orchestra is gonna like make a lot of metal hats really angry and i love that do you know what i mean and like the fact the fact how they wrote a pop record and like did a song with grimes uh, one of the best songs they've ever done you know and the fact that they did that and like there's so many like male fans in the comments who are completely buttered about it um like there's so much toxic masculinity parallels there if you really look into it it's very very interesting so i love that they like broke with that and i love that they brought uh nova one to feature on on the song one on one 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 on one one by one um who who are like two two black two black people uh like i think uh, non-binary people and uh that's so sick you know they break with so many mostly toxic masculinity connected stereotypes and boundaries created with an alternative music and how sick is that i also just think it's impressive um like apart from the actual um toxic masculinity parts of it like just if you just sec look at it like being able to make the crossover from like the metalcore warped type of scene into pop like that's an achievement in and of itself I love that they have dancers in with like breakdowns and shit like that. Like the live video that they did for Ludens, that one song that they wrote with like five days in a hotel room for this video game. They have this live video from uh, one of their support shows with Baby Metal, which is another thing that I love. Um, uh, one of like what genuinely probably the best song they've ever written in my mind. And like having these dancers to the breakdown and stuff like that. Like everything about it is so sick. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm just really into it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I get it. Um, but you know, it. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it. I feel like it's it, it, it's like some gatekeeping that I need to unlearn. But the the entire fact that Ollie doesn't or hardly sings live, like that, a lot of it is like from from tape. I'm not entirely sure if I if 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 I should feel negatively about that or if that's just me being like, ah, whatever, they give up a good show, so why do I even care? Ah, I think a lot of that is also a myth sort of created by Angry Metal. Has Ollie Sykes doesn't even know how to sing. Like, come on, mate. Like, what, watch a couple videos where, you know, where, like, what, watch the uh, unplugged sessions that they did for in uh, the, the Made of Ale studio, like the version of Drown, I think, that they did there. Um... Like, watch him sing, you know, um, and uh, uh, yes, it is true, they use a lot of backing tracks, but every other big band does that, um, and like, he does, in fact, sing live, but also they have a way, I feel like, of mixing his voice down at certain parts, which to me is much more of an artistic choice, like the way, like, the, 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 the chorus in, in Happy Song um you know yes that is a lot of like his voice is way down in the mix yes all right yeah fair um in in that case i like to apologize for me being, no you're good uh, like what's what's the word i'm looking for ignorant 
I mean, like, fair enough. Maybe they do lip sync. Like, I'm sure they do lip syncing on live TV, but every other band ever does that because it's just live TV. They just do lip syncing, you know. Um, and uh, yes, they have a bunch of pre-produced shit, but also like, you come know. to think of it, um, I do think that I've found deep within myself, like in the past five minutes, I've been digging around. Um, and I feel like I, you're you're right when it comes from like a metal gatekeeper type of standpoint because you know I remember, I, you know now that I'm making a point of it when it comes to Bring Me the Horizon, but when I saw uh, Princess Nokia live uh, a few Ooh. summers ago, like it's in 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 hip hop and R and B, it's way more accepted like that they use a, a backing track. So yeah. you know why why is it why were even why are we even discussing this? You know, why are we I get it. Like, there's like there's a, a purist standpoint to it, and to an extent, I have that too. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm convinced uh, that they don't entirely lip sync a show. Like, and the fact the fact that they uh, they very much like made it as a like the fact that every single record is a completely new musical direction, and the fact that they are now the tastemakers of the music industry, and everybody else is pretty much just following them at this point. Um, you know, like they write that stuff, you know, like that comes out of like Jordan Fisher's and Ollie Sykes brain, like, and I really appreciate the musicianship, um, of, of those two. Um, all right. So a band knocks yeah. at your door and Ben not, not knocks at your door. It's like, Hey, I want to, uh, I want to collaborate with you. And then they show you a video of a, uh, one of their live performances. Would you rather mm-hmm. have something that's obviously lip synced? Um, maybe somewhat poorly, or um, sing uh, sang live quite badly. Uh, the latter. All right. Okay. So there is, um, so so there is still somewhat of an of 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 uh of an issue there. I, I feel like though. What ma- what made you make that decision? Why? Uh, because um. Because I do appreciate real, authentic music. Like, I do appreciate real people's music. And on that note, there's a ton of videos online of Ollie Sykes st- screaming really badly. <laughs> so, so much about, like, Ollie Sykes just lip syncs, um, you know. And um, But I appreciate, you, you know, like, um, it is, in a way, also kind of psychology of relatability. Um, like you relate to an artist or a person on a stage more that shows an imperfection and um, you know hearing a person singing kind of badly gives them a real sense of authenticity and like that they're much more like you do you know what I mean Um, and also like on a political level I think there's no such thing as a bad voice. It's just gatekeeping. All right. As much as I love nerding out with you over over topics like that, <laughs> um, we've we're already running a bit long. So uh, before uh, before we sign off, um, is there anything that uh, people who are listening to this right now um, need to know about Pump Pump Squad? Oh, uh, sick band! Uh, if you are a person of color as well. Um, like like Mia, who runs Pop Up Squad, is, um, and uh, you have had trouble in your life trying to fit in with uh, the stereotypes of American white femininity, then this is going to be for you. All right. With that, we have been Queer Sounds. If you enjoy this um, podcast, check out patreon.com slash queer sounds to support us financially. Starting at the second tier, 
There you can get a couple of Queersense stickers and access to um, our community Discord. Uh, what else is there? Oh, yeah. If you enjoy this podcast, absolutely go ahead and tell a friend because that's, you know, that's the way we get our word out. Um, if you enjoy Maya as a guest, which I'm sure you would have, um, you can check out her stuff over at queerstothefront.com and, you know, all of the, all of the other socials you can you can you can find on that their website um our socials are queer sounds pod on twitter and uh instagram but yeah there we go um thank you again so much for listening i'm rambling on a little bit um here's the last track of today cut my hair by pump squad cut my hair so you look past me when you Asked me, I could smile and say.